Yeah, I wasn't sure I was going to be here for second service. Yeah, yeah I'll be intrigued, yes. So first intrigue is I'm going to pray before we start, and I'm going to pray with my eyes open, because last time things went everywhere, magically. So, so will you join me? Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for your message, Lord, to, to, to stand firm and hold fast. Thank you for reminding us who you are, Lord. Thank you for uh, reminding us that you are God and there is no other. And I just ask today, this morning, Lord, that uh, your word be spoken and not mine, and that uh, you be glorified in, in everything that we do today. And we, we give you all the praise and all the glory. Amen. Amen. So I have no idea what Pastor Dan's talking about. Um, I'll just tell you, the last time I was here, um, I spoke about the Seattle Mariners. And, um, and, and I told you that I have always been a Mariners fan. I'm still a Mariners fan. I will always be a Mariners fan. I'm a lifelong Mariners fan. I was there from the first pitch of the first game. I was a Mariners fan. I spent many a night in the kingdom rooting them on. The old kingdom. You remember the kingdom? The old kingdom. I was rooting them on. I was there rooting them on. And even in the seventh inning, when everybody was leaving because the Mariners were down by one run, when everybody lacked faith, when they were all going home to watch Melrose Place, I stayed. I stuck around, hoping against hope that they would come back and win the game. And most of the time they didn't, but I still believed. I still believed. Year after year, I still believed. And as time wore on, I got worn out. And my faith waned. And I just couldn't believe anymore. As much as I loved the Mariners, I just couldn't. It wasn't in me. I couldn't believe. I still love them, but I came up with the saying, ain't never going to happen. I'm sorry. They came close, and then I said, oh, it ain't never going to happen. And then this year, I, right before I was going to speak, I went to a game. And they looked pretty good. And I thought, maybe Pastor Dan's right. Yeah. And even at that point in the game when they were going to blow it, they didn't blow it. They came back stronger than ever, and I thought, yes, maybe this is it. Maybe this is it. So I backed off of my statement. My ain't never going to happen. I took a step back, and I said, maybe this is the year. Maybe it will happen. I even brought gifts. Remember the gifts? Yes, the gifts. Sort of an I'm sorry gift. I brought him gifts. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my lack of faith. And it wasn't the same gift for the first service and the second service. They were different gifts. Different gifts. More gifts. And true, I didn't pay for the gifts, but they were gifts nonetheless. They were gifts. I brought gifts. And then this year we find out what? They didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. And I was looking for a little ray of hope in this season. And you know those banners they hang up, like when the team wins the world championship, they hang up the banner in the stadium, right? And everybody cheers. Well, this year, this week, they hung up a banner at Safeco Field. Have you seen it? Let's take a look at the banner. There we go. Got close. <laughs> so close. Yeah. So it's something, I guess. So, so I could be upset. I mean, I should be upset, right? I mean, I got suckered into believing once again that the Mariners were going to do it, and they didn't. Pastor Dan broke me down, made me believe in something. I mean, no, it didn't happen. So I'm angry about that. Really, let's be honest. I'm upset. Uh, I should really take this time to let him know how I feel. I should just let loose with my emotions and just really come out and just let him know how upset I am. But I'm not going to do that. 
No. No. We are brothers in Christ. I am taking the high road. It is what it is. What are we going to do about it, right? Let's take the high road. I would rather spend time telling you about the church in Thessalonica than to spend time here ranting about the Mariners, about a season long gone. So let's just go forward. So we are in the book of Second Thessalonians. And Paul is writing the second letter to the church in Thessalonica. And I don't know how many of you know this, but the, the city of Thessalonica is a very large city. It's a very diverse city. It's a major trade city. And I don't know if you know this, but the city of Thessalonica had a baseball team. Did you know that? They had a professional baseball team. It's true, Angie. Don't laugh. They had a professional baseball team. No, they had a baseball team. And Thessalonica being a major port city, you will never guess what the name of their team was. The Mariners. The, the, Mariners. the, the, the Thessalonica Mariners. Who knew? Who knew? Now let me tell you something about the Thessalonica Mariners. They were awful. Oh, they would break your heart year after year. It was terrible. They, they used to play in the old Caesar Dome. It was, but it was terrible. It was awful. It was, it was heartbreaking. Yeah. There's a joke I didn't include in the first service. That was for you. Yes. <laughs> Thessalonica Mariners, they were awful. They were horrific. It was year after year. It was painful. And people wanted to believe, but they couldn't, so they came up with this Latin saying. All of the fans came up with this saying. What was that saying? It's in Latin. It is. Do we have it there? There it is. Susa nonfaturum. Does anybody speak Latin? Anybody? Nah, let's translate it here. Yeah, ain't never going to happen. Yeah, pretty much that's it. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's awful. Yeah. Now, to be fair, and I want to be fair, to be fair, they did have... A couple of good players. They had one pitcher that was really good. His name was Felix, son of Hernandez. Really good pitcher. Yeah, Felix, son of Hernandez. In fact, he was excellent. They used to say he's excellent. And they gave him a nickname. They gave him the nickname the King. The King, yeah. And, and I can see, you doubt me. See, Pastor Dan doubted that this was real. So, biblically, Allow me to prove it because Paul met this guy. He met this picture. And this was written about in the Bible. Here's, here's a little verse that'll prove it right here. Acts 24, 3. We accept it always and in all places. Most excellent King Felix with all thanksgiving. So there you go. Yeah, look it up. That's in there. Yep. So there you go. Biblical proof that this is all real. So Paul, being the letter writer that he is, wrote a letter to all the Thessalonica, Thessalonica Mariners fans. And this is what he wrote to them. Now concerning the Thessalonica Mariners winning the Roman Empire series, we ask you not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, whether it be in a letter or by someone telling you that this is the year. I've already told you these things before. Don't be deceived, even if it comes from your senior pastor. Some people are just fooled because they refuse to believe. Yeah. And then he added a quick P.S. P.S. If you sue something in the future. So, so there you go. So there you go. So just a little background, and that's why I wanted to spend time not ranting about the Mariners, but giving you more information about the city of Thessalonica. You are welcome. <laughs> All righty. So now let's get to today's passage. Uh, this is another letter that Paul wrote. This one actually made it into the Bible, unlike the other one. 
This one actually made the Bible. So this is from Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2. We start with verse 1. I'm going to read the whole thing to you. It's quite long, but let me read it to you. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus Christ will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. That's a lot, right? That's what I call a bypass verse because we read that and go, okay, what's next, right? We don't really want to spend a lot of time on it because it's not really exciting. But let's break it down. Let's see what it's really saying. Let's dig deep into it. So this is verse 1. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers. So first, the first part there, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him. So that's all together. You have to read that as one. Concerning the Lord coming of our Lord Jesus and our being gathered to him. So he's talking about the rapture. He's talking about the end days here. So concerning that, he's saying... Um, uh, and he's telling them this because Paul's reminding the church in, in Thessalonica, and he's also reminding us three really important points. One is Christ came, Christ continues to come, and Christ is to come. So if you want any message out of today, please rest in that. He's come, he's risen, he continues to come, and he will come again. So Paul's telling this church, he's re-reminding them this solid truth. And the reason that Paul's reminding them this is that certain teachers have sort of popped up to tell the people of Thessalonica that Christ has already come. That that, that, that return of Christ has already happened. And this is confusing them and causing them a lot of, a lot of doubt and a lot of anxiety. So if Christ hasn't returned, when will he come? And if he has come, then why is everything still like it is? So they're very confused about this. So the same message for us as it is for the church in Thessalonica is, when is Christ returning? That's unrevealed and it's unexpected. We don't know. So don't let anybody tell you it's next Thursday. We don't know. And I have had people call me up to say, well, this just happened and this just happened. What do you think? Like, is that the, you know, is that the sign? I don't know. We don't know. Okay, so it's concerning that. And then Paul says, we ask you, brothers. So he's not really asking them. 
This is not an ask like, let me ask you a question. It's really not that. The, the, the word that it's used, actually, it's a Greek word. It's orotaho, orotaho. That's the word he's using here. And the King James Version does a really good job of translating it. They use the word beseech. Beseech. Not a word we use a lot, is it? But Paul is saying, I beseech you. What does beseech mean? Beseech is a deep, imploring request. Like, out of my passion and out of my heart, I'm really asking you this. A serious, deep imploring. And the best example I can give you is, I used to listen to my wife talk to her dad on the phone. She would talk to Miguel. And Miguel was a very strong-willed, strong individual. And my wife, several times during a phone call, and these would be like daily phone calls, by the way, several times when she was talking with him, she would say in Spanish, Pa, escúchame, escúchame. In other words, Dad, listen to me. Listen. And that's several times. So that's what Paul, that's the emotion that Paul's bringing here to these people. And, and Paul likes this word a lot. Paul uses this, eratajo, he uses that word a lot. So sometimes he asks us in letters, different letters, to love each other. And it's said with that same passion. I'm asking you, love each other. And in this case, he says, I'm asking you, listen to me. I have something to tell you. So if you're going to translate this at all, it's coming down to a simple statement of Paul saying, I've got some really important things to tell you. Listen up, pay attention. That's what Paul is saying here when he says, I'm, I need to ask you something. What's he asking them? He's asking them not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. So the word shaken here uh, means a, a great anxiety and pain. It's the same word they use for a violent earthquake. Don't be shaken. Don't be upset. Don't be anxious about this. Okay? Please don't do that. They're deeply troubled about this issue because they have heard that the day of the Lord, so to speak, has happened and this is it. Like they're in it. This is the day of the Lord. That's what they've heard. And if this is it, then what about the rapture? And if this is it, then what about the persecution? And if this is it, then why are these Roman guards still walking around persecuting us? They're confused and they're deeply troubled. Like, what did I miss? Can you imagine you thinking Christ came and left? And Wait a second, I go to church every Sunday. Where'd he go? That's kind of what they're feeling. But Paul's saying, don't be, don't be alarmed and don't be shaken, even if it comes from a spirit, from a prophet, for example. Uh, even if it, it comes from a spoken word, a message, or a sermon, or even if it comes from a letter that seems to be from us. Don't be alarmed by any of that. Okay? So the, the Thessalonians believe this, and this error, which has upset the Thessalonians, is what Paul's now trying to correct in these verses. He's going to show them that the day of the Lord hasn't come yet. Okay? That they've been believing a lie, and that it's not going to come until certain realities are met. That's the purpose of his letter. So the Thessalonians had decided, well, Christ is coming. That must mean in the next few weeks or months or maybe a couple of years. And we're still here. What happened? 
So that's kind of where, where the Thessalonians are at, and maybe some of us too. Well, it's been a couple thousand years. Shouldn't he be coming soon, right? Um, no, we don't know. Okay, so that's where they're at. Then we go to verse 3. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. So don't be fooled in any way. Don't be misled. And this is a lesson for all of us. Don't be deceived in any way. Just because someone stands up here and says something is true doesn't mean it is. We have to ask ourselves if it really is true. And that begins by you and me being in the Word. And are we? And I ask you that same question the way I ask myself the same question. Am I in the Word? And where does it rank? I heard a sermon this week that really challenged me. What's the first thing you do, she said, when you wake up in the morning? You check your Facebook? You know, what do you go to first? What have we put above God? I go to the sports radio station. That's what I do. How come I don't put God first? How come I don't go to God first and then listen to the sports radio station? Because I think sports, and then I'll, I'll kind of squeeze God in wherever I can if I have time, sort of. Maybe I didn't. I'll do it tomorrow, right? That's me. But that's the question. Are we in the Word? In 1 John 4, 1, it says it this way, My dear friends, don't believe everything you hear. Carefully weigh and examine what people tell you. Not everyone who talks about God comes from God. There are a lot of lying preachers loose in the world. So... So I listen to a lot of podcasts. I sit at a desk and I do a lot of work that doesn't require me really to interact with a lot of people so I can do my work and listen to things. So, so I told the first service what I do is I go on Google and I'll put in Faith Church, New Mexico. See what I get. And I end up with a church and I go and look for their podcasts or their, their sermons and I listen to one. And then I'll put in something else, Revelation Church, Texas. What do I get? And I'll find a church and I'll listen to a, to a sermon. And some of them are really good. And some I listen to a long time. But when I listen, if something doesn't sound right, I go check it out against the Word of God. Does it line up with the Word of God? I was listening to one guy and I really liked him. I was listening to him every week I would listen to this guy. He was awesome. I loved the way he preached. But then he started saying some things that didn't quite make sense to me. And the trouble was, I liked what he said. It sounded really good. And I thought to myself, I hope this is true. But it wasn't. It didn't line up with the Word of God. And when he said, this verse says that, I would go look at that verse and I'm like, no, it doesn't say that. That's not what that verse says. So I stopped listening to him. We have to be careful not to be misled in any way. We have to be in our word. So now Paul's going to tell them about the end times. Exciting subject, right? He's going to tell them what's going to happen. This is his next move now. He's going to tell them what's going to happen. And there's no way I could possibly take the time to tell you all about the end times in this short amount of time here I have today, right? 
the, the odds of that are just like the odds of the mayor. Never mind, I won't go there. We'll stay there. We'll stay. We'll take the high road. Okay. So someone gave me a good piece of advice this week. They told me this. Since I don't have time to say it all, they said, make it about God, make it about Jesus, and make it about 20 minutes. So there you go. So that's what I'll do. So here he gets into this whole thing about the end times. So he says that day will come not until rebellion comes first. So what's rebellion? Rebellion is the falling away of Christians. So Paul is saying Christians are going to start to fall away from the church. They're going to start to quit believing the church. They're going to back off from the church. Okay, And that's either going to come by Christians leaving the church, or it's going to come by the word of God being so perverted in the church that we can't recognize it anymore. So these churches are going to change so much that we can't recognize them anymore. The company that I work for actually just bought a church. I work for Seattle Children's Hospital, and we bought a building. Uh, and I went down there to do some work in the church that I, to, to get it ready for what we were going to do with it. And they were still operating as a church. Well, it was interesting to walk around and see what they really believed. And I think I said that last time. They believed something about the, the myth that is Easter or something along those lines. It was really interesting how it was starting to be perverted just right here, close by here. So Christians are going to fall away, and the, and the biblical term for this is apostasy. So if you're looking for a fancy word to go dig up, there you go, apostasy. So it's two words, escuchame and apostasy. So you have to use that in a sentence this week together. So there, that's your homework. Okay, then after the falling away, then this man of lawlessness is revealed, also known as the son of destruction, and later we'll know him as the lawless one. So this is not Satan. This is the Antichrist. He's working on behest of Satan, but this is not Satan himself. This is the Antichrist, and he's given this title, Man of Lawlessness, because he's going to oppose every way, in every way, God and his law. Anything to oppose it. He'll be completely lawless. Daniel 7 does a lot of prophecy about these end times, and he calls this guy a boastful king in Daniel 7, who will try to change the set times and the laws. So he's going to come offering a false peace to the world and with a very charismatic personality and incredible promises and incredible miracles, he's going to make people believe that he is the Christ that has returned. At the same time, he's going to make a covenant with Israel and for about three and a half years, he's going to keep that covenant and then he's going to break the covenant stop their sacrifices, enter the temple, and set himself up as God. And then he's going to demand worship from us. Jesus spoke of this in Mark 13, 14. He said this, But when you see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, let the reader understand, this is Jesus saying, Escuchame, right? Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Look under other translations and you'll see abomination of desolation translated as destructive and disgusting thing, the awful horror or monster of desecration, and there's a lot more. In any case, not pretty. Not pretty. Verse 5. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? If you're a parent, how many times have you said... We've talked about this to your kids. 
Not to your husband. Maybe you have to. We've talked about this. Come on. We've covered this. Right? Five minutes ago, we just talked about this. And now you're doing this. We've talked about this. Yes, I have experience saying this. I had four kids. We've talked about this. Come on. Right? I was watching a college football game a couple of weeks ago, and a player was running in for a touchdown. And right as he got near the goal line, he casually dropped, flipped the ball and went in for the applause of the crowd. Right, like, so close, they had to go back and review it. The referees had to review it. Was it a touchdown, or did he just fumble the ball? And then they cut to the coach on the sidelines, and he was fuming. He was so angry. You could see it in his eyes. And the announcer said, the reason he's so angry is, another player on his team did the exact same thing last week. And he said, I know this coach. He talked to every player and told them not to do this. We've talked about this. This is what Paul's saying. I've already covered all these things with you. We've gone over this multiple times. In my letters and in person, we've talked about this. And now you are wondering where this all is. Verse 6. And you know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. So that whole first sentence, don't separate it. The Antichrist is being restrained so that he may be revealed in his time. Who's restraining him? God's restraining him. And this should give you some great comfort. God is in control If you want to walk out of here with anything today, know that. God is in control. Satan's not going to do anything until God releases him and gives him permission to do so. God is in control. Just like like God allowed Satan to torment Job. That didn't happen until God said, go ahead. God is in control. God gave Satan permission against Job. Satan's not in control. The Lord is. The Antichrist will appear on the scene when God gets ready for him to do so and not a minute before. God's in control. And then Paul tells us that the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Well, what's the mystery of lawlessness? Let's look at the other side first. What's the mystery of God? The mystery of God is light and love and wisdom and holiness. That's the mystery of God. The mystery of lawlessness is darkness, oppression, subtlety, and immorality. And we get to choose. Those are your only two choices. You don't get to walk the fence and take it from a long-time fence walker. You don't get to do that. You have to choose. You have to choose. Look at what Paul says in Colossians 1, 9-11. Because of this, we also, from this day in which we heard, do not cease praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the full knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. To your walking worthy of the Lord, to all pleasing, and every good work being fruitful and increasing to the knowledge of God, in all might being made mighty according to the power of his glory, to all endurance and long suffering with joy. Verse 8, and then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. 
I love that line. The Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth. Just like in Genesis 2-7, how God breathed into man and gave his soul, his, his soul life. The same way that life is going to kill the lawless one. See, in Christ, life overcomes death. Light that we sang about overcomes darkness. Truth does away with deception. One of my favorite sayings is, truth has an ugly way of sticking around. So say what you want about me. Say what you want about my God. Sooner or later, the truth is going to come out. Stick with the truth. And we're not going to know the truth unless we're in God's Word. We get so easily led away. I know people come sometimes talk to me about how they feel and how frustrated they are and how defeated they feel or whatever it might be. But I want to tell you something. Truth has an ugly way of sticking around. What's God's truth say? What does it say? You're going to say, well, God says God loves me. No, it says God will never, never, never fail you or forsake you. That's what it says. Don't give me the highlighted caption. Give me the exact word. What's his word say? Because there's power in his word. There's power there. And it doesn't change. I took a guy that was all excited. He was going to go see this doctor for the first time, and he was all excited. And when we got there, there was no appointment, and he was all down and depressed. And I made him open up his Bible and pull out that verse he read to me the night before. I said, what's it say? And he read it to me and I said, oh, it didn't change. Look at that. It's still there. We get frustrated by worldly events or feelings or whatever or people coming at us. It doesn't matter. God's truth doesn't change. Stick with the truth. Stick with the truth. Daniel 7.26 says this, Then the heavenly court will sit in judgment, take away his power, and destroy him completely. That's a truth. The devil's already lost. It's done. It's finished. Stick with that truth. Verse 9, The coming of the lawless one by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. So this lawless one is going to do these mighty acts, these incredible miracles, and they're going to seem to draw people away. His whole operation, though, is deceptive. Satan is deceptive. And he wants to bring the world to worship him. So does he have power? Yes, he has some power. But his power is overcome by the power of God. We learn in Exodus that the magicians, they had power, but they didn't have all the power. They could do some of the things that Moses did, but they couldn't do all the things. Right? It was all deception. All deception. But many will be deceived because their belief is based on signs and wonders. And their belief is based on what they see with their eyes and what they feel with their feelings. But we should base our belief on the Word of God. And then we'll never be deceived. So, so if you haven't been in the Word lately, let me encourage you. Start again. Start again. If you don't have time, I get it. Find a verse a day. Find a verse. Start again. It's okay. We, we serve a God of, of new beginnings. 
We, we serve a God who's of do-overs. I love that. You screwed up? Okay, start again. Go. He's the ultimate coach. I love it. Go again. Try again. You fell? Stand up. Go again. If we feel like we fell five times, that's too many. No, go again. Try again. We've been too, away too long. Start again. Try again. I love it. Matthew 24 says this, There will be a lot of misery at that time, a kind of misery that has not happened from the beginning of the world until now and will certainly never happen again. At that time, don't believe anyone who tells you, here's the Messiah, or there he is. False messiahs and false prophets will appear. They will work spectacular, miraculous signs and do wonderful things to deceive, if possible, even those whom God has chosen. Listen, says Jesus, I've told you this before it happens. What's Jesus saying right there? This is where in unison you're all supposed to say, Escuchame, right? What's Jesus saying? Escuchame. What's Paul saying? Escuchame. That's your word for the day. There you go. Escuchame. Listen with feeling. And it goes on. And with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. They're perishing because they refuse to believe God's truth and God's word. That's why we perish. That's why we don't live lives of fullness right here. Because we drift away. We get by. Another day. Another dollar. God didn't create us to live like that. That's why we're perishing. That's why we're drifting away. The truth and the word of God will set you free. Verse 11, therefore God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false. Sounds a little harsh. Why does God want to delude me? He doesn't. He doesn't. But the judgment of God is already fallen on us when we refuse to believe the truth. We walk away from it. Look at Matthew 13. This is Jesus talking again. Let the person who has ears listen. The disciples asked him, why do you use stories and illustrations when you speak to people? Jesus answered, knowledge about the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven have already been given to you, but it has not been given to the crowd. Those who understand these mysteries will be given more knowledge, and they will excel in understanding them. However, some people don't understand these mysteries. Even when they understand, even what they understand will be taken away from them. This is why I speak to them this way. They see, but they're blind. They hear, but they don't listen. They don't even try to understand. Escuchame. Yeah? Escuchame is what Jesus is saying. People who prefer to love sin and lies rather than the gospel truth will receive their own divine recompense as all sinners do. But God gives us a choice. Verse 12. In order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. In the last days, God will sovereignly seal the fate of those who persist in following Satan's and his false counterfeit Christ. As has always been, those who reject the truth are being judged to the left and left to the consequences of their sin. So let me close with this. And let me call the worship team back up. We're all free agents. We can all follow Christ. God hasn't abandoned us. 
Romans 1 puts it really well. It says, God's anger is revealed from heaven against every ungodly and immoral thing people do as they try to suppress the truth by their immoral living. What can be known about God is clear to them because he has made it clear to them. From the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly observed in what he made. As a result, people have no excuse. We have no excuse. They know God, but they did not praise and thank him for being God. Instead, their thoughts were pointless and their misguided minds were plunged into darkness. While claiming to be wise, they became fools. These people exchanged God's truth for a lie. If you don't know Jesus today, I would love to pray with you after service. I would love to introduce you to him. Even if you don't know all that much about him, even if you're not sure, come talk to me. I would love to talk with you. I would love to pray with you. If you feel lost or you feel like there's no hope or you feel like it ain't going to happen in whatever situation in your life, let's pray about it. God wants you to come back to him. God wants us to return to him and his word and his truth. And he will never fail us and he will never forsake us. I want to stand with you as you pray. I want to stand with you as you move forward and get closer to God. God loves you. God loves all of us. And God has a plan for you. Will you close in prayer with me? Father God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that uh, you have reminded us to stand firm and hold fast to what is true. You have reminded us, Lord, to stand firm and hold fast to you. To stand firm and hold fast to your word, Lord. Lord, we want to come back to you, Father God. We want to come back to a new beginning, Lord. A new time, a new day when we put you first before the rest. Father God, if we've been lost, if we've drifted away, Father, forgive us. And thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross so that we are forgiven. Thank you, Lord, that you are a God of do-overs that we are always allowed to come back to you, that you are always pursuing us, Father. Lord, we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.